Hi, this is a re-release of a previously recorded episode with Christopher Avery. Um, several years ago, Christopher and I met and we talked about the responsibility uh, process as well as his leadership gift. Uh, Christopher is a keynoter. He spoke um, in New York City, delivered the keynote for the first Agile Day where we crossed paths and uh, we recorded this episode. And uh, it's such a gem that I uh, just thought it might be a good idea to re-release and make it available again for everybody on the Agile FM uh, community. I hope you enjoy this one. Agile FM Radio for the Agile Community. www. Agile.fm. Perhaps you can just give to the listeners like a little bit of a, perhaps you can frame how your program, how your ideas link especially to an um, Agile executive audience. Well, let's, let's do that. And on the way to that, I, I want to interject something. And that is just about the nature of Agilists. First of all, anybody listening to this that doesn't know what open space is, um, of all the types of formats of agile education you could come to, probably nothing is as, as ex exhilarating mm -hmm. as open space. Um, and so I think that's why it's popular. I love that I've been in the business of facilitation and people and interactions for over 30 years. And I love showing up at agile events and having young, developers and engineers teaching me stuff they discovered that I was trying to get them to pay attention to 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like almost, you know, about the time they were born, I was trying to get engineers to pay attention. I did my first open space event um, in the mid to early 90s. I was just trying to remember the exact date, mm -hmm. right? And so it's beautiful then to come into Agile in the mid 2000s, 10 or 11, 12 years later and find Agilists saying, Wow, have you heard about this stuff called open space? Mm -hmm. you know, so uh, it, it's um, what I love so much about working in the world of agility is seeing the population that we used to talk about as being um, uh, introverted and not wanting to leave their their screen uh, in order to um, you know collaborate mm -hmm. is now on the forefront of collaboration and on the forefront of people and interaction, on the forefront of tools for sustainability and for work-life balance and, and management. And um, it, it gives me goosebumps because mm -hmm. how could anybody have a better, um, have a better uh, you know, outcome for their career than to see within the time span of their career the stuff that they had uh, pushing uphill <laughs> you know, early on mm -hmm. and getting poo-pooed and now it's coming back to them by the same population mm -hmm. and saying this is incredible stuff. It's incredible stuff, right? Yeah. So lots of times the open space format is actually um, applied. I do that in um, companies mm -hmm. within the, com the, 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 the boundaries of the corporation to improve things. We are applying that in a learning environment uh, throughout our um, one-day conference, if you want to call that. Absolutely. So, so you asked me about my program, my materials. Yes. Um, I also had a situation recently where I had a small, closely held 40-year-old software company that owned the market 
uh, in their niche. And when the founder uh, retired, he turned over much of his stock to an ESOP, so 85-person company employee-owned. And um, they were in trouble because they owned the highest price point in their market. They had a brand of quality, and they had just shipped uh, three releases in a row that required a dot release soon afterwards because of bugs that mm -hmm. were discovered by customers. Mm -hmm. And their primary market was in Japan, and their distributor in Japan actually had to come to the United States and meet with them to tell them what it means in Japan when you have to ship a dot release. Mm -hmm. right. And um, the, the development organization, the developers, were really in the dumps, and they'd been moving, they'd been adopting Agile over a period of a couple of years. Um, and so uh, they decided that the issue of ownership, personal responsibility, mm -hmm. was uh, a big important thing here. Mm -hmm. That and they had to quit allowing their product owner to push for feature release against quality, which is a whole nother mm -hmm. podcast, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was hired to go do my two-day course on creating results-based teams, anytime, anywhere, with anyone. It's been material that I've been gathering since 1991 on all the best strategies and tools and techniques that anybody can use, no matter what role they're in, to, um, to give a collaboration the highest opportunity to really gel as a team. Mm -hmm. And when I say gel as a team, it means uh, you have a great time coming to work and working together. You knock it out of the park, and everybody on the team is willing to go above and beyond what their job description asks them to do, and they do it voluntarily because of their feeling of ownership for this bigger project, this bigger thing that you're doing. Right. So what I've accumulated in this class is um, all the best stuff that I've found to do that, and a lot of people believe that this class offers a repeatable framework for building any team anytime. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just Scrum, it's what Scrum is lacking on the people and interaction side about how to truly build teams. Mm -hmm. And what we did with this client is not only do that two-day course, but we added a two-day open space onto the back of it. Mm -hmm. uh, because when I showed up, all these brilliant developers we're pissed. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, who is this Avery guy here to tell us how to build our software? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Typical, right? Typical, yeah. yeah. And I said, I, you know, I don't have anything to tell you about how to build your software. Yeah. Right? What I'm going to do is try and, and help you loosen up a little bit and look at some ways that people can start talking to each other at a much higher level of truthfulness and honesty and fun. Mm -hmm. right? And then I'm going to give you a couple of days to have whatever conversations you want to have about yeah. what to do about dot releases. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you, you mentioned software. Right. What if somebody says, I'm not building software whatsoever? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? No. We still want to have fun. We still want to have fun and team dynamics are team dynamics no matter what your industry Mm -hmm. is. The reason I'm asking is uh, there's a big trend. I myself, I'm involved in these kinds of uh, projects where Agile is applied in non-IT 
projects and uh, they might find their way to the Agile New York City open event as well. They want to talk about Agile in different industries than software. So this is where I talk to executives, whether they're in software or elsewhere. Right? Um, and a lot of people today are asking, should we go Agile? Should we adopt Agile? Mm -hmm. And I tell them that's the wrong question. The right question is, is our business exposed to change, complexity, and uncertainty? Mm -hmm. Is my job exposed to change, complexity, and uncertainty? Mm -hmm. If it is, then there are some pretty profound principles that you can apply to bring some sanity to your job, some sanity to your business, no matter what it is, if your business is exposed to change, complexity, and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It just happened to be that these principles were codified in the software world, right? right? That's how it all started, <laughs> at least to my knowledge. Well, yeah. if you think of Agile as starting in the software world, but one way I view Agile is it's a, a sister or a daughter, maybe, of TQM, mm. right? Because it uses the continuous improvement, the plan, mm. do, check, act, inspect, mm -hmm. and adapt cycle, which started with TQM, mm -hmm. which means it's, um, it's an extension of the empirical approach Right. to work, which started in the 1940s with Dr. Deming, Edwards Deming, who the United States wouldn't listen to him, so he went to Japan for 30 years. And they listened to him. And they listened to him because they were in crisis. They mm -hmm. were looking for great ideas to, um, mm -hmm. to dramatically improve productivity. They were brave. Uh, yeah. And um, so he came back to the United States in the 1980s. And uh, the idea of TQM, of course, is instead of inspecting quality out at the end, of manufacturing, we pull it forward and build it in up front. Well, Agile, if we look at, at QA and test, mm -hmm. right, instead of keeping QA and test at the end of the line, right. and everything's on their shoulders, and we didn't ship because of them, and you know mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, is we pull QA and test forward, mm -hmm. and instead improve our everything about how we code. Mm -hmm. So I see, so a lot of people would probably not like to hear me say this, because Agile likes to, a lot of people in Agile like to pretend that they invented yeah. <laughs> this, but I see Agile as, as a sister or a daughter of TQM, mm -hmm. and it's the idea of, of an iterative uh, learning process, mm -hmm. um, that there's no way to analyze and plan to be right, so the only way to, to be right is to test and experiment and mm -hmm. learn, right? Yeah. So. Across many industries. Across any industry. Yeah. So, what? So I work. Most of my work is with leadership, mm -hmm. and much of my work is about creating a culture that will suck agile and lean into it. Because as so many of us have found, it's it's easy to build. It's easy to do one team. It's easy to do a few teams. There are thousands of people across the world now that can know how to do an agile program, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, has been. Done multiple times, right. so there's a, a big knowledge base. Right, so there's a big knowledge base and there's a lot of people who are confident and credible, and that's a pretty amazing thing mm -hmm. to have achieved over the last 10 years since the Agile Manifesto in 2001. Mm -hmm. But the bugaboo is the culture, right? Um, and then for me, the other, the other bugaboo, the other impediment is that um, executives, bless their hearts, are steeped in linear thinking, that, uh, which is the management science equivalent of waterfall. Okay. 
And, um, you know, even kids, I'd say even anybody under 25 to 30 years old, throughout their entire academic career and into the workforce, they were probably steeped much more in linear and waterfall thinking than in agile mm-hmm. thinking. And so, so executives um, have 40, 50, 60 years of embedded knowledge about figure it all out and get it right first mm-hmm. and then roll it out, right? no matter what it is, what kind of operation it is. And um, my job is to go to them and apologize for the fact that the world changed completely while they were still using something that was already obsolete. Right. Right. And that now there's a huge population of kids, 25 to 35 years old, who are extraordinarily disciplined at Kanban, at Mm -hmm. work in process, at sustainable pace, Mm -hmm. at not starting stuff but finishing stuff, Mm -hmm. at decision making, at consensus, at collaboration. And you know what? They're going to be happy to come take your job. That's Mm -hmm. what I tell executives. If you're not willing Mm -hmm. to find out how to operate in conditions of change, complexity, and uncertainty, which requires iteration and thin slicing of whatever your leadership or change program is. And learning, right? Different cultures in generations, right? Right. Um, So we will have a bit of everything at this Agile New York City Open. Uh, Not prepared. That's the nature of the open space event, right? Uh, We have set the stage for the theme. Mm -hmm. We're inviting executives. We're inviting anybody. Yeah. We're inviting folks from uh, software industry. We're inviting anybody from other industries who want to talk about agile topics in regards to executive um, agility and how to implement that. It is very interesting though, earlier in the, uh, I think in the 1990s, the agile movement very often came bottom up, where teams said, we're not gonna work this way anymore, any longer. We're gonna do things a little bit different at that point, it was called iterative lightweight approaches. Right. Um, now it's very often top down where executives are being sold already on the idea or being tasked to implement agility in, a, in an organization. Um, how, is your, how are your thoughts, how is your program, how are your courses in regards to bottom-up versus top-down approaches? Because in, at the end of the day, it's going to hit the middle management, right? Right. So somehow the middle management is involved in large corporation run in a traditional fashion. Right. So you, is your work more like targeting to folks being tasked top down or is your work more from the bottom up or is it actually both directions? Well, it's both. So um, I don't bring anything unique to the table in terms of adopting agile with teams. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there's, there's you know, Joe Krebs and hundreds of other people around the world who are very proficient in introducing Agile, Scrum, Lean to teams and even to programs, mm-hmm. right? So I don't, I don't believe that I have anything unique there. Um, I love the work and I love working at that level and, and doing it, but my uniqueness is that I have a repeatable, um, high ROI program for creating a culture of ownership, a 
culture of personal responsibility that will suck agile and lean into it. And so many of us believe that the impediment to agile adoption today is culture, mm -hmm. right? So after we get a few teams going, we try and expand. And because agile requires high collaboration cross functions and its tentacles reach into the business and beyond, then the cultural antibodies come out and start pushing back, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so rather than have the fight be a right-wrong fight about right process or right method, mm -hmm. my interest is in helping the leadership look at how do we create a culture where people recognize the difference between blaming and justifying telling stories or feeling bad or feeling obligated versus actually stepping up and facing a challenge, facing an impediment, um, putting learning into high gear, mm -hmm. um, uh, looking at the difference between resistance versus change or defensiveness versus learning or growth versus coping, mm -hmm. which the responsibility process work right. that I've been working on for 20 years does. Yeah. And, um, and that then creates an opportunity for me to talk to executives because I only work at the leadership level when mm -hmm. I'm doing this. That allows me to talk to executives about iterative thinking. And um, what I found is that um, most, I'm going to go out on a limb here, 99% of execs who are not doing Agile think they understand it and don't. Is that your, is that your experience? Well, 99% is... Uh it's a big. It's a big number. I don't know if you both <laughs> fit on that limb out there, but ninety-nine um, percent, ninety-five percent, yeah. right? Nineteen out of twenty. Yeah, right. Because um, you know they've been they've been through a, a briefing or two, or read about it, right? Um, but they're still steeped in linear thinking. Right? The way they think, the way their mind is. I, I don't want to use the term wired because it can be. Mm -hmm. They can change their thinking and pro they can change their paradigm. We know that people can change their paradigm, but they're deeply anchored in linear thinking. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's challenging. Um, and so, for instance, one of the things that I'll do is um, I'll offer to, um, well, maybe I should say in terms of what I do in my program, um, there's a lot of people, Joe, who think that they have the answer to enterprise agile. Right. What I've seen is most of them are uh, engineering solutions. Mm -hmm. They're design solutions that if we structure it this way or process this way, it'll work. And what I know is that um, organization change management is messy and ugly, uh, and you can't just redesign an organization according to the perfect engineered solution. Right. Right? And what I've done is I've gone out and I've looked for who are the people in the world that are doing the best job at organizational change management that is compatible with Agile. And what I found is that there are people using Agile principles and have been using Agile principles for decades to do organizational change management. Mm -hmm. And there are people who use Agile principles and have been for decades, although it's not called Agile, 
It's not called Scrum. They didn't even know it ex Scrum and Agile existed. They just discovered the same <laughs> dynamics in their own way. Yeah. There are people using it for executive strategic management right. and for fast growth companies. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing this one-day program on leading Agile change for executives mm -hmm. in which I'm going to say, I'm going to essentially say, okay, here's Agile. You've probably heard a fair amount about it. Pretty intrigued. Right? Now, I'd like to introduce you to rapid results, organizational change management and their model. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to introduce you to uh, the rhythm uh, approach from Vern Harnish on fast growth strategic management. And then I'd like us to compare and contrast mm -hmm. what you see in these three models. And that's what we're gonna do in, in leading agile change. I'm gonna essentially teach executives what I've learned in 30 years of looking for true organizational change practices mm -hmm. that work instead of organizational change practices that create resistance, mm -hmm. um, that create pushback, uh, that put a whole bunch of cost up front and then take a long time to implement before you can see any results. Right. Right. Uh, so. I'm kind of excited about bringing this program to New York City and seeing what executives have to say about it. Right, and I, I just want to, you know, uh, come back to that 99, 95% uh, one more time. I, I, I do think that, uh, I personally think that uh, a lot of executives might understand the basic language, the vocabulary of, of agility. Uh, what's often missing is, is um, that agile is a journey. It starts somewhere, it ends, or might be moving for a very long, long time. Uh, what you start with might not be the same as you would be doing uh, six months later. How is how is your program, like just in a nutshell here, like how is your, does your program address that journey and work with executives and work with teams on starting the journey, but not only starting, but also, you know, continuing the journey? Actually, I think and you're gonna to have to verify, I think you've posed the million dollar question when it comes to enterprise or big agile or large scale change towards agile. Because what we've seen happening over the last 18 months or so as larger and larger and larger companies have gotten the buzz, mm -hmm. right? And they've said, you know, we want, we want to bring that flexibility, that nimbleness, that, that closer to the customer closer to the business results into our company. Um, what we've learned is that these big, big buyers, mm -hmm. um, they like very prescriptive change. They want to know what the 24 month, 36 month rollout process is gonna look like. Mm -hmm. And any agile coach worth their salt um, doesn't believe in prescriptive change, doesn't believe that they can plan a 24 or 36-month <laughs> yeah. rollout, right? right? Yeah. And so we have a communication mismatch because all over the world, when Agile experts are meeting with um, very large customers, um, they're looking they're looking silly to the customers when they say, well, we're gonna plan, you know, we're gonna plan the first three to six months. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And then we're gonna replan. Right. 
right? And do you know... You're like, that's not strategic. You're not thinking strategic. You're only thinking the next three months. Right. So where does that come from? Where that comes from is being steeped in the linear thinking, right? Of seeing the whole thing first mm -hmm. up front, seeing the whole analysis and the whole plan, and then rolling it out. Right. And so I think that the question that you ask me is, um, I, I don't have an answer for it. My answer is, how do you sell non-prescriptive change to people who want to buy prescriptive change? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm working on right now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. you know. It's, Absolutely, yeah. No, it's, it's the beginning of a journey. Right. But you've got to start the journey on the right foot. Right. And, and my, fear, my fear is that too many companies are going to hire somebody that says, sure, I can sell you a 36-month plan or a 24-month yeah. plan. And it's going to be big and expensive, um, and it's not going to work, mm. right? That's my fear. Yeah. So, you know, we need to figure out how do you sell non-prescriptive change to people who want prescriptive change. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just spoke with uh, ChristopherAvery.com. <laughs> Thank That's you, Christopher. Right. Yeah, so my website, same as my name, Christopher Avery. And your uh, Twitter, right. unfortunately, we had to drop the Y, right? Right. Twitter doesn't have enough initials, so it's Christopher A-V-E-R. Without, no, the, without the why. Okay. Yeah. So uh, connect with him, follow him, and uh, come to our event. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon. Thank you.